All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you on the August long weekend. Uh, yeah. So about a, about a year ago, uh, my wife and I, well, our family, uh, that we moved into a new place. Uh, and then what thing is, it needed, like it's from the 70s, so, you know, we needed a little bit of like interior renovations or like just like uh, upkeep or at least like to make it look a little bit more in the 2020s, you know? So uh, we moved in, we spent a lot of time actually doing interior renos and I didn't even think about the whole idea of having a yard. Just forgot about it. Uh, this year, I realized, you know what? I spent a lot of time on the inside this year. This year, I'm going to actually spend time on the outside. We moved from a condo that had like uh, mulch and shrubbery. You know, I didn't even have grass. Now I have a front lawn. Anybody else have a front lawn? They feel like now there's responsibility, isn't there? You know, you look around and you see everybody else's lawn looking good. It's like, oh, there's pressure. My lawn must also look good. Uh, So I started to actually spend some time on it, especially with my neighbor. My neighbor has got real, really nice grass. Uh, he's a 35-year-old, but his grass looks like he's retired. Uh, he spends a lot of time. I'm not going to name any names, but it's Drew Haggath, a uh, guy who leads worship here sometimes. And I'm trying to keep up with that. Uh, and I had, a, I had a stump in our yard that I had to get rid of. There was also a tree over here, so it sunk down over time, so I filled it with dirt. Uh, we had a stump over here. There's like grass was sparse in a few places, so I put fertilizer and I put seed down. I didn't go the sod route, I went the seeding route. So I put all that seed down, and every day I walk home from, from work, and every day, and I'm like, you know, starting to get like that uh, front lawn stance, okay? So I'd come down and I'd <laughs> look to see if it's growing, and it wasn't. So next day comes around and I look again, right? Like you come down, maybe look a little bit closer. No, 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 it's, not, it's still not there, right? And you do that for about like a week, maybe a week and a half, and all of a sudden there's like this little peach fuzz. Like, it's starting to grow. Like, there's so much excitement over it. Like, it's growing! Uh, and I'm getting so excited. And now, you know, it's, it's grown. It looks good. But it's darker than all the rest of my grass. And there's, like, these, like, dark green patches in the light green. Anyways, I'm getting there. Uh, it is a work in progress. It is not finished. Uh, but it's a work in progress. But it takes time when you actually spend the time of watching uh, a seed grow. Now, I know when you read our Bibles and we learn about Jesus and who Jesus uh, is and who Jesus was, that Jesus was a carpenter, right? That he built houses, that he, uh, right? that he worked with, uh, you know, like building material of some sort. But I like to believe that Jesus was like a hobby gardener. Uh, every time, the amount of times that he actually talks about like seeding or uh, farms or plants, like that guy just talks about it all the time. Almost as much as I talk about the grass that I'm trying to grow. Uh, this guy talks about farming, he's seeding, planting, that I believe that Jesus uh, would have been a gardener. And he probably, if he had a front lawn, it would have been better than Drew's. Uh, mine's not, but Jesus' grass would have been. I think that's a clear statement that I can say, right? Uh, so today we're actually going to be talking about uh, that idea about like planting a seed. We're going to be talking about the parable of the mustard seed. And the mysteries that actually come with that parable. A few weeks ago, right, Jesus talks about seeds all the time. A few weeks ago, we had Brad Hubert come in, and he spoke about uh, planting seeds, right? Some that land on the path, some that are on the weeds, some that get scorched by heat, and some that actually take root. And Brad's going to finish off that uh, sermon series, like he's doing like 
He's taking some time with the parables, but he's coming in back in two weeks, which we're excited to have him come back and speak a little bit more about uh, that parable, what that actually means for our life. But today we're going to be spending time in Matthew 13, 31 to 32. This is a short one. If you want to follow along with your Bibles, feel free, uh, open them up. Uh, if you do not have a Bible and you want to like follow along, there's actually some at that back table. And then if you uh, don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, one of those back tables, just take it home with you. Uh, that is just a little, little gift from us. I think it's important to be people who spend time uh, in our Bibles. And in this section of Scripture, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. In the Bible, it talks a lot about, Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Right? These are kind of like interchangeable phrases. Um, but they're actually ones that are quite difficult for us to understand. We often try to define what God's kingdom is and what God's kingdom looks like. And for years, right, way back when, you know, Jesus' time, before Jesus' time, uh, the kingdom of heaven was actually understood as like a real place. You know, like, I mean, I think it is a real place, but a geographical place, like a real place, right? Jerusalem, that there was a palace, that there was kingdom, like there was a kingdom, there was a king, there were people, and these people were actually following the laws of God, that that is how God's kingdom would establish here on earth, right? People who actually follow God. That was this idea of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was a geographical location. It was a spot. It was a people. It was people following God. That's what the kingdom of God, uh, the idea was. And when Jesus jumped on the scene, they expected Jesus to actually be that king, right? That he would actually establish God's kingdom here on earth uh, through force, Right, through actually getting rid of the oppression of the Romans, that we would establish his laws again, that this world would actually look like God's kingdom because there's a good king in place. That's what people thought. And Jesus let a lot of people down. Right? He didn't come to actually bring his kingdom and establish that way. What he said is, hey, you know what? My kingdom is not of this world. He said, yeah. Jesus said, yeah, I'm a king. My kingdom is not of this world. So fast forward to today. We take that, this idea, this concept. And my kingdom is not of this world. And we get this picture of God's kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven. And we get this view of afterlife, right? We get this view of paradise uh, where we get to meet Jesus, right? Be with Jesus when we die. And then we get this picture, this image that maybe the streets are paved with gold, that people are playing harps and that we live in the clouds for eternity, right? Then we get this, like, this imagery of like, this afterlife. Like, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, I think right now we actually kind of get stuck in the middle. There's a lot of mysteries of God's kingdom and what that looks like, and I don't claim to have the answers. I think it's still, you're going to leave here and it's still going to be a mystery, but hopefully we can shed a little bit more light on that. But we're kind of in the middle. We jump from this idea of we want God's kingdom to be established here on earth in whatever means possible, whether that's government or whatever that looks like, of Jesus returning to establish his kingdom here on earth the way that it looks. And then we get stuck of like, hey, when that doesn't actually look like God's kingdom, we actually just find hope in this idea of eternity, and we actually jump back, right? Like this idea of we're actually escaping this world to enter into eternity, that we're like this back and forth of what does the kingdom of heaven actually look like? Is it here? Is it later? Is it here? Is it in the clouds? Where is it? What does it actually look like? And I think uh, that there is this perfect place with God for eternity. I think that's true. And this is where I actually get my hope from. Right? That when I, when I die, that there is this eternity that we actually get to spend with Christ uh, in this, yeah, um, yeah, this perfect life with Christ. We're always healed. Like, I believe in that, and that's where I get my hope from. But I don't think it's actually just limited to that. I think it's actually something more. 
When Jesus preaches, he talks about uh, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven all the time. It's almost like it's his central message. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, and it's a little bit like difficult, and sometimes a little bit embarrassing that traditionally that we've had a very difficult time about, uh, as a church, larger church, agreeing about what does this kingdom uh, actually look like. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Right? It, it, it is not limited to the idea or it doesn't mean to do the right things or to believe the right things or to pray the right things and you'll go to heaven when you die. What we know about the kingdom of heaven is that it's eternal. Right? Eternity doesn't start once you die. Eternity actually starts now. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven. Like, What does Jesus actually say about it? He says the kingdom of heaven is within you and among you. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is actually here and now to be experienced in this life as life to the fullest. He also describes it as hidden, advancing, and as coming. It's here already, but not here yet. The kingdom of heaven is God's reign in our world and in our lives, in this life and forevermore. So what does it actually look like? I think we could actually, like, sometimes we blame Jesus. Like, why would Jesus just not tell us plainly Right? Like, just tell us plainly exactly what this is like. Let's just tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, but he doesn't really define it very often, does he? He opts, instead of defining, he actually opts to describe it. Instead of defining, he describes it. And he seems to describe it a lot in parables and in stories. My wife's birthday was a few months ago. It's May, May 1st. Uh, and every time it comes to her birthday, I don't really know what to get her. I don't know, maybe I'm alone on that. Um, but I'm like, I just wish you would tell me, right? Like, I'm like, just tell me what you want. Like, I think at the beginning, like, maybe I was a little bit better at, like, taking some guesses, but now I'm just like, I've already exhausted my list. Like, tell me. You know, we've been together a while enough. Like, just tell me what you want. She doesn't tell me. Right, and I try to like sneak, you know, maybe I try to like get her to sleep talk or something and like get like some hints or like get Lucy to ask her, my kids, and maybe get the answers that way. But Angel knows those tricks. She knows uh, that I'm just trying to get an answer. She doesn't want to tell me what she wants. What she wants is for me to know and for me to figure it out. Even if I guess and I guess wrong, I think is more meaningful uh, than getting exactly what she wants because she told me. Why? Because she actually just doesn't want a gift uh, that comes from right, her own mind or that just hits my mind. She actually wants a gift that comes from the heart. She wants a gift that matters. So why parables? Why symbols? Why puzzles? Make it plain. Here's why. Because Jesus needs them to sink deeper than our heads and into our hearts and actually lived out through our hands. I think that's why Jesus speaks in parables. It's something that sinks a little bit deeper. Something that sinks into our lives, into our hearts, and actually out through our hands so we can actually live those things out. So here is the parable of the mustard seed. So if you want to, I haven't gotten to Matthew yet, but if we go to Matthew, it's really short, but it's a good one. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of seeds, but it grows, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make their nests in its branches. So we have this illustration. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It's easy. It's a mustard seed. 
done. Now we know everything, right? Like, I think he's pretty clear in describing it, right? But actually still, like, for me, I'm like, what does that actually mean? Right? There's actually, like, mystery in it. There's got to be more. So uh, I actually have some mustard seeds here. So here's this, this bag. I'm sorry, you probably can't, like, see. There, there is real seeds in here. Uh, somebody who heard that I was preaching on the mustard seed uh, said, hey, I've actually got this mustard uh, plant. And they're, like, sending me pictures. And I was like, hey, can I actually have some of those seeds? And I, they said, yes. So here's the seeds, right? You can see it, right? Right? Those in the front row, you can actually still see, you can see this? No, it's like no matter how, like maybe, I don't know which one the camera's on. Right? It's right over there. So maybe those at home can actually see it if they zoom up close enough. But here's a mustard seed. Right? This is it. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. I'm done preaching. Okay, let's, uh, right? There's got to be more to it. But he says, actually, it's more than just this. It's more than just this little tiny mustard seed. He says, it's actually a mustard seed planted in a field. Uh, I don't have a field here, but I have a little pot. And this is one of the gifts that I bought my wife, uh, guessing uh, and that she would uh, want it for her birthday, but it sits in the counter. Um, but I think it looks nice. So uh, let's plant it. I'm going to put it right in there. There's the mustard seed, right? You plant it in the field. This is the field, and uh, you've got to water. You know, I've learned that at least from uh, trying to grow grass. That you've got to water it. You can't just leave it. All right, so let's leave that right here, okay? Uh, that is our mustard seed in uh, the field. So what does it mean here? I thought that the kingdom of heaven was paved with gold. Harps playing, that's perfect. And I guess mustard, when it grows, it turns into like a yellowy gold. Right? Maybe that's what Jesus means. That's eh, similar enough, close enough. Um, but I actually think that there's mystery in this mustard seed. I think Jesus is saying multiple things here as he is describing what the kingdom of heaven is like. So the first thing, what is God's kingdom like? So we're going to talk about God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom like. And I think the immediate point in this parable is that God's kingdom starts small. I've got like, there's probably like 50 of those seeds in here. They're tiny. It starts small, but it grows. It's larger than we could ever imagine. And sometimes we like to define God's kingdom, about how big it is. We like to define who's in and who's out, who acts the right way, who doesn't. And we like to define those things for ourselves. But I think It's something that starts small, but it's much larger than we can ever imagine. So here's the first point. God's kingdom is much bigger than we think it is. God is working in the smallest of seeds to grow something big. Sometimes we think that God must work in flashy ways, right? That all people would actually just follow God if he just revealed himself. We get fed up when the world doesn't look how we imagine God's kingdom would, and we demand immediacy. God, fix this. Or God, change this. God, bring your kingdom here. I don't think things... Those are bad things, right? We demand immediacy. If God was real, he would fix this brokenness. If he was worthy of worship, he would make this place a better place. Sometimes we get fed up and we start implementing what we think God's kingdom looks like in this earth. Sometimes we actually put our own agenda in there a little bit instead of actually trusting that God has a plan, right? It becomes God's kingdom, the largest of garden plants. The seed is growing, but it takes time. We can look at the world and be crippled by fear over everything we see in the media. I think that's what I originally thought about when it came to this parable. I was just asking God, what should I speak on? And I was just hearing about all of this fear and everything that's going on, and and God just revealed to me, he said, there's hope in the mustard seed. There's hope in the mustard seed. Right, this fear of the world is not of God's kingdom. Right, this fear is actually immediate, it overtakes us, it can be overwhelming. 
We might wish that God would bring his kingdom here sooner than later for a fix, that God would just destroy everything that's not of him, and that he would bring his kingdom. We pray sometimes even for like this concept, this idea of like end times, right? Just God fix things. But unfortunately, that's not the way that God's kingdom grows. And that might sound like a cop-out. You know, like, why didn't God, if God's real, wouldn't he just fix anything, right? That might sometimes seem like a cop-out. But, that's, but God's kingdom grows slowly as God wishes for all people to be part of his kingdom. Get me right here. This doesn't mean that the effects of God's kingdom can't be immediate. I believe that God's kingdom and the effects of God's kingdom, especially in our own lives, uh, can be immediate, right? I've seen healing. I've seen miracles. I know that God works and that there is an immediacy to it. But the fullness of God's kingdom, I think, actually takes time, right? This phrase, it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree that the birds come and make their nest along its branches. But this is actually a direct parallel uh, story to something in the Old Testament, like Jesus, most of the time, he actually, like, everything he says is actually rooted deeply into uh, our tradition, our Christian tradition, Jewish tradition, right? Uh, rooted in Scripture. So when Jesus is actually saying this par- parable, he's actually referring to something that was said, and it's said multiple times. It said uh, there's image of birds coming and nesting in trees that happens in Daniel. He's talking about Babylon. It's talking in Ezekiel multiple times, and it's talking about Egypt. And I just want to read this here, uh, just in Ezekiel 17. It says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'll take a branch from the top of a tall cedar, and I'll plant it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter and shade in its branches. And all the trees know that it is I, the Lord who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It is I who make the green trees wither and gives the dead tree new life. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what it said. So in this mighty, majestic cedar, in Ezekiel we get this picture of this giant tree, this huge cedar, right? A tree that actually produces shade, that actually is a landing point for birds of every nation. And when we actually read it, what it's meaning about birds, or of all places, right? That all birds can go land there. What God is talking about is his people, right? It's not just actually limited to one kind of bird, but it's actually limited, it's open to everybody, right? It's open to all to actually find rest and shelter among its branches. And in the second part, uh, it says uh, that... The tree will grow tall. Oh, where am I? Uh, who cuts the tall tree down and makes it short. Right, so Jesus gives us a picture of this giant cedar that he actually just takes a branch from already, this already giant cedar, and then he can actually chop those down. And what's he talking about chopping down these tall trees? What kind of kingdoms is he talking about? Right, I think he's actually referring to the kingdom of right, the world. So Babylon, he's talking about the kingdom of Egypt, right? That they actually planted their, their kingdom that actually grew, and it grew strong. And the people from all nations that actually found rest, and they actually followed uh, God in, or sorry, they found rest in that, that kingdom. They planted their kingdom here on earth. One that was mighty and strong, but those kind of kingdoms are temporary. They fall as quickly as they grow. But Jesus is saying, I will plant a mighty tree. Your God is saying, I'll plant a mighty tree, one where every bird, right, every nation, will find shelter and rest, where everyone, no matter your background, will find safety and protection. People viewed God's kingdom as a mighty tree that would produce shelter 
for, for all as this majestic cedar. So what is with the mustard seed? Why is it not a cedar seed? Why is it a mustard seed? And I think that actually has something to do with us. Right? What does it actually look like for God's kingdom to be in us? Jesus compares this mighty seed, the cedar with this lowly mustard tree. Right? That actually pales in comparison. The contrast emphasizes that it's God's power at work, even in the midst of our littleness and imperfection. And I was doing some research on this idea of mustard seed. So I just typed in mustard seed. And the first thing that popped up, it was, is, is mustard a tree, a plant, or a bush? Uh, and I was like, okay. So I went into this like, little rabbit trail in trying to figure it out, right? And I think there's multiple different kinds. You know, the stuff that we see in our gardens or maybe get mustard from, that's actually more of a plant, right? And I was looking at, like, is the mustard seed, does it actually grow into a tree? And it's actually like, no, it doesn't actually really grow into a tree. It's actually probably more of like a shrub, a shrub or a bush, uh, so the parable of this mustard uh, shrub, like what does that actually look like? Um, that it's, yeah, that these bushes are not appealing to look at, right? They're a little messy, unkept, lopsided, and might not be as mighty as you'd assume that they would be in Jesus' par- parable, right? So we have like this picture of mighty cedar that can grow up to 40 to 60 feet that is towering, that is per- bringing protection, uh, that looks strong and mighty. Then we have... A mustard shrub. Uh, you know, it, it's still not tiny. You know, it can grow from between 8 to 15 feet. 15 feet's pretty tall, but on average, they're quite a bit smaller. Right? But you can see that they actually are still quite big, can actually guide, like bring protection, right? can actually bring shade. But why did Jesus do this? Like, usually Jesus comes on the scene, and he's just like, okay, you heard it said in the Old Testament, and I'm going to upgrade it. Uh, but it sounds like Jesus is coming here. He's like, you heard it said a mighty cedar, and I'm downgrading to a mustard plant shrub. Uh, why? Why did Jesus do that, that downgrade? And I actually think that it's for us. Like, we like to think that Jesus' kingdom comes through, you know, maybe flashy people or charismatic leaders or good government leaders or uh, good TV shows or social media or movies or people who are perfect, that God uses them to expand his kingdom. People of influence, people who stand out. So way too often, I don't resemble a mighty cedar. And I'm a little messy, unkept, you know, lopsided. Uh, even though in our own imperfection, our own mess, that we are important to God, that we matter. These are the kinds of people that God has invited to be part of his kingdom. Not just those who are mighty cedars, but people who are like a mustard tree. Those who are not perfect, a little messy, and unassuming. That all people are welcome to be a part of God's kingdom and to spread that kingdom. That God's kingdom is bigger than we thought. It is growing over time. And we, in our mustard seedness, that we are welcome to be part of it. To experience it, not just when we die, but to experience it and extend God's kingdom here and now. So here's a question. Are we living the way that God wants us to live forever. Like right now, are we living the way that God wants us to actually live forever? When we live now the way that God wants us to live forever, we are welcoming his kingdom, his loving authority, his way into our lives. The kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is not a realm we enter when we die. Yeah, that's part of it. But it's a way of life that we choose to enter now. Because here's the thing about God's kingdom. We get to experience it here. 
here and now, but we also get to live it out here and now and forevermore. God's kingdom grows when people, part of God's kingdom, start to live in his kingdom right now. By Jesus saying that the kingdom is like a mustard seed, he is giving right, his disciples, who don't really look like a mighty cedar, he's giving his disciples, right, this little band of disciples, the confidence that in their union with him that they can become a healing force that acts like a sheltering tree for all nations. Once we experience healing, fullness, and hope from God, we can extend that to others, creating shelter for all people, all birds of all nations. Right? So the next thing, what does God's kingdom actually look like in others, in other people? How can we actually see God's kingdom being lived, you know, like, not just through us, but actually through others? And I've experienced God's kingdom in my life. Right? It's something that's actually changed my life, that's changed the direction of my life, that's actually given me hope, that I've experienced healing, that I'm a different person now today because I've actually experienced God's kingdom, God's power in my life. And I want others to, to experience the same, right? to find rest and shelter in the branches of God's kingdom. But what does that look like? I think we've maybe, you know we all have those friends. Maybe it's a parent, in-laws, siblings, kids, co-workers, that haven't really found God's kingdom in their life. Right? We've experienced it for ourselves. We want somebody else to be able to experience too. Right? Maybe they're suffering and in need of healing. Right? We recognize the benefit of uh, God's kingdom in our lives and we want others to experience. Sometimes we see people even just living in hell on earth. And we don't want them to stay there. We want them to experience God. Right? And, our, um, and we get this idea that we just must you know, like, preach, tell them about Jesus, right? And it's, sometimes it's this concept and this idea, our immediacy is not, you know, just to get people to heaven when we die, when we want people to experience uh, God's kingdom, but we actually want them to experience it here and now and forevermore, right? Like, that is our motivation when we actually share about God's kingdom. It's not, ah, just to get people to heaven when they die, but that we can actually get them to experience it here and now, right? That eternity actually starts here. That we can actually experience God's kingdom. That's something that goes on uh, forever. Like, I hope that is kind of making sense, Right? And we have this immediacy. Oh, we want people to experience God. And I think a lot of times, right, this immediacy can actually be good. Of like, oh, I want others to experience God's kingdom. But sometimes I think we can use it, uh, and it can be damaging. We can rush people into faith without actually caring for them as a per- person. Right? Sometimes we're like, oh, you know what? This, my purpose is to actually just make them follow Jesus. Right? And we get this idea that this person actually becomes a project, not just a person. I don't know if you've ever tried um, gr- like stretching a plant. Right? If we believe that God's kingdom is kind of like a mustard tree, a shrub, right? And it's just really little, that maybe there's people that we know that maybe there's like a little seed of God's kingdom. Maybe a little plant is growing and we try to grow that and we try to stretch it before it's actually time or before we kind of move in instead of God's time and we try to stretch that plant. What happens when you try to stretch a plant? You pull it out, right? You pick it, you break it. And sometimes we actually rush in ahead of God and try to put God's kingdom in people's lives and we actually stretch it and we can pull it where it can, sometimes it can wither, where it can struggle, right? We actually need to trust what God is already doing in that person's life. Life, And this leads me to one of my favorite uh, passages in Scripture. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's talking about uh, just this idea of God's kingdom in people's lives, of people actually coming to know Jesus. He says this. He says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering, 
What's important is God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together at the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. We cannot grow the mustard seed of God's kingdom. Only God can. We can plant. We can water. But God is the only one who can make it grow. So what do we do? We can be open to God's kingdom, experience change, and live out that kingdom in our own lives. We can be the change that is needed. And then we can pray. I remember a while ago, and I was hearing somebody speak on evangelism. And usually you do like, you're waiting for somebody to share, about like, how do you actually share Jesus? It's like, good preaching, right? Good message, the right scripture. And they're like, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe those things are important, but you can never actually make somebody experience Jesus. All you can do is you can actually plant. All you can do is you can actually water. And then you pray. You pray that God is the one who's moving. God is the one who's working, right? We actually just spend time and we pray that the best means of evangelism is actually to pray. Pray for others. That these seeds may plant, that these seeds might be planted, that might actually grow, that they actually could have fruit in God's kingdom. Right? So those people in our lives, right? Those friends, parents, kids, coworkers, what can we do? We can plant, we can water, and then we can pray. That they may experience God's kingdom in their life here and now and forevermore. And here's the thing, last thing, that God's kingdom is patient. God's kingdom is patient. In conclusion, God's kingdom has many mysteries. And I'm not here to try to define it. Even Jesus didn't really define it, right? He just described it, but we're just trying to make the best we can out of this idea of this mustard seed. We'll never know what it's fully like on this side of heaven, but we can experience it on this side of heaven. We may not be able to define it, but we can describe it and what it actually looks like in our lives and the way that we experience it. Many of us want God's kingdom to come in a bang, right? For everything to change all at once. Instead, it's usually actually a process. Um, something my dad told me years ago. He said, uh, one of the things that he never prays for is patience. Because then God gives you situations to be patient. <sighs> and I feel like I didn't pray for any of these situations, but they keep coming. Uh, of just practicing patience. Of what does it actually look like to be patient? It's hard. It challenges us. It stretches us. And it actually forces us to trust that being patient is something that's really important, that God's kingdom is patient. Here's the thing. God's patient, and I actually find hope in this. He's expanding his kingdom, and it's happening all over the place. Even when we don't actually think, like when we see it, that we think, oh, everything is just so horrible, that God is actually growing his kingdom. And it doesn't always look in the same ways of a mighty cedar. It doesn't. But in the seemingly ordinary and insignificant ways that God can be growing his kingdom. Well, it's rest assured that it is growing. And it's growing into a tree that is providing rest, shade, and shelter for all those who are looking for a place to land. Trust God in the midst of the craziness of this world and in your life. God's kingdom has been growing for thousands and thousands of years and will continue to do so. Trust God's patience in the world um, but also, what does that look like in our lives? Let's be patient with ourselves. Right? Maybe we aren't where we want to be. Maybe we aren't who we want to be. We see areas where we are not really living in God's kingdom. Maybe um, you're suffering and you're praying for healing. Maybe you're just not fully in this idea of God's kingdom and we want it now. Be patient with yourself. You are loved. You're important. 
and God is growing something beautiful in you. If God can turn right, the cross into this beautiful image, that God can turn something beautiful with your life, that God is working in your life. We need, what needs to happen in your life for you uh, to live? Or you have to have that question, to live like eternity now. What does that look like? Maybe there are things in your life that you need to add. Maybe some habits that actually are good habits, healthy for your soul. Maybe there are some things you actually need to get rid of. Maybe there are things that are in place that you need to get rid of so that you can actually experience God's kingdom more. Because when we do, we actually get to spread. We don't just experience God's kingdom. We actually get to spread God's kingdom around us, to plant, to water. What does it look like for us to live as people inside of God's reign here now, inside his kingdom? When it comes to other, others, other people, let's be patient with others. I mean, people can drive me crazy, uh, right? I, my job is working with youth. How many times do I wish that they would just grow up sooner, uh, that they would become better people already? Uh, no, there's a lot of really good youth. I'm just, uh, but this idea, this concept, I think we all have people where we just wish that they would actually grow up quicker, grow up sooner, that we try to actually like pull on those little seeds or those little plants that we just try to stretch them, right? How would we just be patient with other people? To recognize, um, yeah, in the same way that God is slowly growing something in this world, that we actually know that God is actually growing something in other people as well. He's growing something in your life, that he's actually growing something in the lives of others. Be God's kingdom in people's lives, and then just trust. Trust God and be patient. So with that, I just leave. When it comes to others, what does it look like? Who can we be praying for that the seeds that God's kingdom is already in them, who can we be praying for that they connect that God's making them grow, growing into mustard trees. So I planted the seed uh, at the beginning of this message, maybe 20 minutes ago. Uh, whole 20 minutes have passed and there's nothing. I thought maybe, wouldn't it be cool if there was a tree uh, at the end of this? Um, but there's nothing. I thought there'd be a tree by now, right? Sometimes we get that idea. I just planted I want God's kingdom now. I thought there would be a tree by now. We planted it. We watered it. But now what can we do is we can trust that God is the one who makes his kingdom grow. When you don't feel like God's kingdom is growing in this world, our lives or the lives of others, we need to remember that it's just it's a mustard seed that's actually planted in a field. And sometimes we might not see it. We might not actually see the growth, but we need to trust that even underneath the surface, in the soil, that something's happening, that God is moving, that God is working. God's kingdom is confusing. As you try to describe it, right, it's a place, but it's also a people. It's for eternity, but it's also now. It's immediate, but it's also patient. Let us live like a mustard seed, growing in God's kingdom in ordinary ways, providing shelter for all those around us. Let's pray. Yeah, God... I want to thank you that I don't have to be a mighty cedar to actually enter into your kingdom. Thank you that it's actually open and available to all. Right? And our imperfections or the ways in the mess of life that you're actually growing something special. And God, I just get the sense even uh, as people are uh, just wanting to see your kingdom, maybe here on earth and what it looks like in heaven, maybe in our own lives or lives of others that we can grow impatient that we become frustrated and, and angry at you. God, I just want to pray, um, yeah, that we're able to just have the, 
that patience that we're actually able to have trust. Lord, let us lay down the burden of us having to bring your kingdom and be all that. Lord, let us actually just be able to stop, to trust, and to have faith that you are moving, that you are growing, even in times that we don't see it, that there might be something underneath the soil, but that you are growing something beautiful. Praise in your name. Amen. Here at uh, SunWest, in our mission statement, that we believe it's a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus. Right? That we believe that God's kingdom is something that grows, but it grows within our lifelong journey. Right? Sometimes we wish for this immediacy, and I believe that God does work and does bring healing and does this immediacy, that He does work in our lives, that He can change our lives, that He can change the lives of others, but it's also this process, it's a journey. I don't know where you're at in the midst of this journey that maybe you're like, oh, you know what I'm hearing about God's kingdom and maybe I'm not really living in it or maybe I'm not experiencing it or maybe, you know what, maybe I want to make that first step of actually, I want to, I want to walk into God's kingdom, that I want to be part of his reign and his rule, that I want to actually see that impact in my life and the lives of others, that we just want to invite you in the space. Maybe you want to start that journey of being part of God's kingdom. And the coolest thing about it is, is actually it's, it gives us weight off of us because a lot of times we actually like to be the rule of our own kingdom, the Lord of our own lives. What does it actually look like to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of trying to be the Lord of my own life. I try to figure things out and it only ends up worse. What does it actually look like to say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I allow Jesus to take control, to take that weight, and to take that burden. Then we have prayer teams that come up to the front and I want to invite you to be... Uh, to jump in, to go ask for prayer. What does that look like to say, I'm tired of being the Lord of my life, that I want Jesus to be Lord, that I want Jesus to be King and to be part of his kingdom. Or maybe there's people in your life that you're wanting uh, that for. It's great to be able to pray with others, to pray together, to intercede together, uh, to pray that we're not the ones who actually make God's kingdom grow in other people's lives, but that God is working, that God is moving, for us to be patient and to trust God. So God, yeah, we just want to say we're sorry for sometimes trying to take the rule of our own lives or take the rule of this world into our own hands, but God, just let us just be able to trust you. That there is freedom in laying down that weight of being the ruler of our own lives and that you can actually just be the Lord of our lives. So God, we just surrender our lives to you to allow your kingdom to be in us, to move through us, and to actually make an impact in this world. Lord, let, let us partner with you and trust you that you are growing something beautiful. I just pray things in your name. Amen. So again, we have prayer teams up at the front. Feel free to pray or get prayer for yourself, get prayer for others, and whatever that looks like. Um, but blessings, and have a great week.